Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff speaking of Abishir, where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. The Perkyavis Podcast is a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network, where we actively encourage Jews to think and engage in the search of how to be intentionally Jewish. Check us out on intentionaljew.com. The next, the next student of Rabbi Shimon Bayuchai, Rabbi Yochanan Menzakai, excuse me, the next student of Rabbi Yochanan Menzakai was Rabbi Eliezer, um, was Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya. And on his student, Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya, he said, Ashrei Yeladito. Happy is the woman who has given birth to him. So the, the question I think is, is obvious that he's giving the praises of his students and he's talking about the strength that each of his students has. This is not the strength of his student. Ashrei Yeladito is really the, the strength about his, of his mother. The praiseworthy is his mother that she raised such a child. The Talmud says that she used to bring him to the base of Medrash, to the study hall. Every single day, she would plunk him down in a little, in a bassinet, and she would keep him in there so that he would hear the words of Torah. And that's what he would be naturally attracted to. Another version of the Talmud is that she went around from base Medrash to base Medrash. She went around from study hall to study hall, asking them to pray for her son. Ashri Aladito, you know, praise it as his mother. She raised such a good kid, but that's about his mom. It's not about him. And she's the only mom that raised the good kid. She must have written this. Yeah, Ashri Aladito, my son, oh, my son. You should only know, right? Like, who, who, what is this talking about, Ashri Aladito? Who would who would write Ashri Aladito, especially if he had a mother also? The author of the Mishnah, why would he have written the words Ashri Aladito? What was he saying about his mom? That guy's mom is happy. My mother, boy, she's kicking herself. Like, what, 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 is, the, what is his words? What does it mean, Ashri Aladito? How is that a praise of him? We find later in the Mishnah, as I mentioned yesterday, we did the same thing, that the next Mishnah talks about the qualities that Rabbi Yochanan Medzakai told his students that they should develop. And he said... Rabbi, Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya said that the best quality that a person should develop is a chover tov, is a good friend. What's a good friend have to do with it? How does that speak to his essence? How does that tell me about the kind of person that he is? Why would that be the midah, the characteristic that he pointed at? Okay, so let's understand a little bit about who this Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya was. There's a lot, a lot about him. But I think that, that one story is important. There was a point of a period of time where the Romans and the Jews would very often have vikuchim, uh, they would have these debates. A lot of times the debates weren't necessarily like full on like disputations like, like you had during the time of Nachmanides and others. But there were times where there would be debates that would almost be like like sign language, and they would speak to each other by giving signs. So the Talmud tells over that this Rabbi Yoshua ben Hananya 
was once engaged in a debate with a Roman. And Rabbi Shum and Hanania cast his hand in a certain way, and the Roman cast his hand in a certain way, and Rabbi Shum and Hanania cast his hand in a certain way. And then the Roman cast his hand again, you know, threw his hand out, and Rabbi Shum and Hanania responded to it. And the Roman is, you know, and, and he lost the debate. Now, it sounds like a Marx Brothers routine. Everything is going on with, with pantomime, and you know, and 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 then all of a sudden there's like a thing at the end. Like what just happened? So the Roman, the, the Caesar, asked Rabbi Shuma Hananya, oh, what was that all about? And he said to him, Oh, that guy, he went like this, and what he was saying to me was that God has forsaken the Jewish people. And I went like this. And I told him, don't be silly. God is embracing us and holding on to us. And this is the way he explained the gesticulations and the hand movements that it was really a debate that took place between the two of them, that God would never reject his people. So the Caesar turns to the Roman and he says to him, no, what did he say to you? And the Roman says, I don't have any clue. And he says, what did you say back to him? Nothing. Just move my hand. I have no idea what just happened. So the Caesar took him out and killed him. Because he realized that this guy was just an, an anti-Semite. He was trying to get the, to get the Jews. He was trying to get Rabbi Shum and Hananya, And he got rid of him. The sages were very worried when Rabbi Shum and Hananya got sick. Because they were worried that their advocate in Rome, that the person that was going to defend them against the onslaughts of the Roman of the Romans, and all of the debates of the Romans against the Jews, they were worried that they were losing their advocate. And they called him a Yoradea. They called him a person of tremendous understanding. First of all, I, there was nobody else that could have this kind of conversation. I wouldn't even call it a conversation. It's like, you know, moving hands. It's, it's like, a, it, it, it's like a, a three stooges kind of thing. It was just, it's just hand movements and gesticulations. That's really a big threat from the Romans. And, and that he was a great debater. I wouldn't call that really a great debater, that they have to worry that when he dies, this is really going to cause a problem for the Jewish people. And a guy like that is more creative than he is filled with das, than he is filled with knowledge and understanding. Why are you calling him a Yoridea? Why is that the epitaph we give on the guy? Why is this the description that we give him? Oh, that guy's a Yoridea. Guys, you know, he's a creative person. He's an, he's an intuitive person. Why are we calling him a Yoridea? What's a Yoridea? So I want to tell you another story. But the other story from the Talmud has nothing to do with Rabbi Shub and Hananya. But that story will shed a lot of light on this. There is a Pasuk in Tanakh that says, Miyo Radeya, who is the one that can show wisdom? Umiyovin Shmuan, who can understand the words, who can understand things that he hears? Gomle Mechalov, Atike Mishodayim. Somebody who has nursed from his mother and has been separated from the breast. How is that a Yoridea? 
what does it what does das have anything at all to do with nursing but let me tell you the story that the Talmud tells on this Pasuk. There was a rabbi by the name of Rav Sheshas and another rabbi by the name of Rav Achtavoy. And Rav Achtavoy, I'll spare you the details, Rav Achtavoy and Rav Sheshas, Rav Achtavoy was, was cheppering Rav Sheshas when he would answer him in a certain way, he would answer him with a certain kind of attitude. And Rav Sheshas felt that Rav Achtavoy was being very disrespectful and he got very upset with him. He cast dispersions on him, and Rav Achtavoy became dumb. He couldn't speak. And he was suffering from this for a while. Rav Sheshis's mom comes into Rav Sheshis, and she begs him to daven for Rav Achtavoy and to back off his anger. Now, that's probably the last person who you want to defend your enemy, is your mom. What do you want from your mom? You want your mom to say, Tatala, I understand. I, I get it. I can only imagine how terrible he was to you. But maybe you might think she starts to rail against him. And then she says to him that these breasts that nursed you, are commanding you to go and to pray for Avshashas. Moms don't talk that way to their children. They support their children. They don't talk about their body parts, even if they nurse their child. This is not a normal conversation. And if a mother wants to, wants to claim her motherhood, she wants to pull the mother card, then she says to her child, I gave birth to you. You know, it's like the old line, I brought you into this world, I could bring you out again. Right? That's, that's the way a mother talks to her child, but she talks about her breast, talks about nursing the child. What's going on here? So there's a fabulous Gemara. The Gemara says, Sholosh Mishmaros The Gemara in Brachos talks about that the nighttime is split into three sections. The nighttime, a general night, which is from 6 o'clock at night until 6 o'clock in the morning, is split into three sections, from 6 to 10, from 10 to 2, and then from 2 to 6. And the Talmud brings signs that you could tell the sections of the night. One is a donkey braying, the other is a dog barking. And then at the end of the night, at the end of the third watch, the Talmud says you can know that the, it's the end of the third watch. Because a, a woman is speaking to her husband, Isha Misaperes Imbala, Vitinok Yunok Mishte Imai, and the child is nursing from his mother. First of all, we look at that Talmud and we say, what, what do you need signs for? Just take out a watch. Why, why do you need? You listen to the dog's bark, you know, oh, must be the end of the first watch of the night. Then you hear a donkey brain, you say, oh, must be the end of the second watch. Like what? And then the end of the third watch, what do you need a sign for? You know what the sign of the end of the third watch is? Sun comes up. Plus, the first watch, you're giving me an animal sign. The second watch, you're giving me an animal sign. The third watch, you're giving me a human sign. The first watch, you gave me one animal sign. The second watch, you gave me one animal sign. And in the third watch, you give me two human signs. What's the Talmud saying to us? 
There are three watches of the night. Laila means gullus, exile. It means the painful existence of the Jewish people. And there are three stages. One is marked by our enemy, the dog. One is marked by our enemy, the donkey. And the end is going to come when women are able to do their job. When an Isha misaperes in Baalo, when a woman is able to speak with her husband and to give direction to her husband, she is able to keep him directed and focused in the way that he needs to because she's the Akeres Habayas, because she is, at the end of the day, the foundation of the home. And when Tinak Yunak Mishtei when a child nurses from his mother, because her second job is to direct her husband she does it with wisdom. She does it with smarts, but she directs and focuses and guides her household. And she imparts a message to her child. What's the message of Tinok Yunok of a child nursing from his mother? The message of nursing, the message of feeding, even if a child is, is battle-fed, but the message of being held in the arms of his mother. And I guarantee that everybody will say that the message that a child is getting when he is nursed is that a child's getting a message of love, an energy, a care, a concern from his mother, and all of that is true. But he's getting another message. The message that he's getting is, is that your sustenance, your blessing comes from the outside of you, and you have to be sensitive to that. It's not just about you. There's somebody outside of you that's taking care of you. There's somebody outside of you that's giving you. God could have made it that a person could have been sustained through their own body, that a child, until he learns how to eat, could have been sustained in some other kind of way where he would not have even recognized, like an umbilical cord, where he wouldn't have even recognized that his sustenance is coming from outside of him. But no, he has to be fed with a bottle. He has to be fed with a breast. He has to be fed by somebody outside of him so that from the day he is born, he is being fed the message. He is being taught the message to be sensitive to what's outside of you because that's part of your sustenance. It's part of your existence. Your existence is not just you. The moment that he was born, he had been living. For nine months, he had been sustained through an umbilical cord. He had been sustained really through himself, not recognizing that it's coming from the outside. He's born with clenched fists. The baby's wrapped up into itself. It's all about itself. And slowly, over the years, we unfold that child to understand that your sustenance, your life, your support it's coming from outside of you. Be sensitive to what's coming outside of you. That's the Yoradeya, that's the knowledge that comes from Gomle Mechalav Atiki Mishodayim. That's what Avsheshish's mother was saying to him. She was saying to him, These breasts that nursed you, she wasn't saying to him, I'm your mother and you better listen to me. She wasn't using the mother card. That's not the way you use the mother card. She was saying to him, you missed the message. 
you miss the sensitivity to what's going on outside of you because had you been sensitive, you would have recognized Rav Achtavai was not making fun of you. Rav Achtavai recognized that you were in a state, you were in a bad mood, and he was trying to cheer you up, so he was answering you back a little flippantly. But it wasn't to be disrespectful, it was to lift your spirits. But because you were so wrapped up in yourself, and you didn't look outside, you weren't sensitive to what was going on around you, you missed it. Because that's the message of nursing. That's why at the end of Gullus, how do we know that Gullus is over? Because Isha misaperes in Bala, a woman is able to direct her husband. Vitinuk yunuk mishteimo, and a child is able to get that fundamental basic message. Message number one. Lesson number one upon which his entire life is going to be based. That I have to be sensitive to what's outside of me because that's part of my sustenance. That's what's supporting me. That's what's keeping me alive. That's what real das is. Real knowledge, real understanding of the world is an ability to be able to see outside yourself, to be able to recognize others' place in your life and how your life would be nothing without the input of others around you. This was the koach of Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya. It wasn't that he was some creative guy who was able to move his hands in different kind of ways and send messages. He was able to read the hand movements of another person. He could read the body language. He was sensitive to the movements of other people. He had real da'as. That's why his friends called him a yoiradeya. He was a pot of knowledge. Not of book knowledge but he had a sensitivity to others. He had a sensitivity to learn and to pick up nuances. I have children like that. I have some of my children that have such an incredible sensitivity that sometimes it's, it's disturbing for them to walk into a room and to look at things because they see things. Like I mentioned yesterday about my father with art and with colors, they see things in people's behavior, in people's, in people's body language, because they're sensitive to things that are going on around them, to things that are outside of them. That's why he had this power and ability, and they were worried that when he dies, they're not going to have an advocate in Rome because they were worried that that sensitivity was going to leave that nobody else was going to be invested and imbued with that kind of sensitivity. That's what the Mishnah means. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai looks at his student number two, and he says, Ashrei Yeladetai. He wasn't praising his mother. He was praising him. He learned the message that his mother was trying to impart. Ashrei Yeladato, how praiseworthy is his mother that she imparted the message successfully. Be sensitive to other people. Recognize that your sustenance comes from outside of you. Recognize what other in what others input into your life. And that's why when the Rebbe turns to the Talmud and he says, What's the best quality that a person should develop? He says, Chaver Tov. Because what do you need to be a good friend? 
you need to be sensitive to the other person. A good friend isn't just somebody who's able to hang around with somebody, somebody who could play, you know, could play cards or mahjong with somebody. That's not a good friend. A good friend is a person who is sensitive to the nuances of another person. A real chaver, the word chaver from the word chibur means somebody who is inherently attached to another person. Being attached means being sensitive, understanding, recognizing who they are, what they're going through. The famous story of the two drunks. The one says, I don't know, the story somehow it, it was, it was used, probably was a, a Russian parable because the names are always Ivan and Igor. And Ivan turns to Igor and he says to him, do you love me? He says, of course I love you. He says, no, do you love me? He says, of course I love you. If you love me, then what's bothering me? Because that is real love. When you can recognize and see and be connected to another person to the extent that you are perceptive of what's going on inside of them. And that's why Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya, who was a person, Ashrei Yeladetai, who learned the message as a Yelud, as a child, as a baby. He got that sensitive message right from the inception, from the moment he entered this world. He was fed that message and he, 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 he was able to, to, to receive that message. He was sensitive and recognized what's the best thing you could develop. It's a good friend because you use that sensitivity to connect you to other people. And what's the worst thing is a bad friend. Because what's a bad friend? Why would a person be a bad friend to you? You're a nice person. Because they must be picking up something from you. There must be some sensitivity that you're not having, that you're not being fully sensitive to them. I was recently talking to a close relative of mine who was going through very difficult. And I could tell the conversation was over. And I could tell they were in such incredible pain that over, over something, they were in really incredible pain that they weren't even open to somebody being sensitive to them and somebody, somebody feeling for them, somebody feeling, feeling their pain along with them. They were in too much pain, too much focused on themselves. They couldn't see outside themselves in a long-term sustained relationship, that would be called a chavera. That's a bad friend. That's somebody who just, who can't be sensitive, can't read another person. And that's what Rabbi Shuma Hananya was, was, was sensitive to. He was sensitive to other people because that's Ashrei Yeladetai, the message that he learned as a young child. Beautiful. That's my, that's my spiel. I think we're starting to get it. When you take yesterday's Mishnah, yesterday's part of the Mishnah, and you take today's part of the Mishnah, you start to understand also a way to understand Mishnah. Because if you think about it, what, what did yesterday say? So if you were learning it quickly, how would you have translated it? And how I'm sure many of the commentaries translated that he was, he was a person with a great memory. 
And and how would you translate today's that his mother raised him and his mother made him into who he was? Asherah Yuladato, because his mother brought him to the base medrash, his mother prayed for him, his mother who let him, you know, taught him at a very young age, instead of putting him in front of a television or in front of an iPad, she stuck him in a base medrash so that those would be the sounds that he would hear in his ears. That's the way you would have understood the Mishnah. And I'm not saying that that's wrong, but that's not, to me, that's not saying that. To me, it's telling us a very, very deep message. It's telling me that it's talking step number one, the greatest student of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, an objective learner. Step two, a sensitive learner. Somebody who is sensitive to the nuances of those that they are learning from. Again, tomorrow we'll see probably step three and perhaps step four. Okay.